Welcome to Out of Ratio, the podcast where we break free from the constraints of traditional thinking and embrace the extraordinary world of early childhood education. I'm your host, and together, let's embark on a journey that challenges the status quo, pushes boundaries, and nurtures the seeds of innovation. So get ready for captivating interviews, thought-provoking discussions, and inspiring stories that will challenge your perceptions and ignite your passion for early childhood education. Let's get started. Welcome to Out of Ratio with Bertelson Education, where we explore the enchanting world of early childhood education. I am your host, Sam. And I'm your host, Justin. And today we have a very special guest who uses the power of music to captivate and educate young minds. I am beyond excited to welcome to the podcast today, author, TEDx speaker, award-winning educator, and founder of Music with Mayor, Marianne Harmon. Marianne, thank you so much for being here. I cannot wait to hear what you have to share with us today. You're welcome. I am honored that you asked me. So yeah, let's do it. Mayor, thank you so much for coming on. Echo Sam's what Sam said. We're really excited to have you. Just to, you. to start it off for our audience, could you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got started with Music with Mayor? Sure. Um, I am, I should never say was, just like with the Marines, I am a music teacher and I've taught various ages through the years, but it was always attracted to music. Actually, when I was a young girl, I lived in a big inner city and I used to arrange all the children in the houses, um, in the buildings with apartments into shows all the time when I was like from 10 years old. So I always loved music. I loved teaching music. I loved organizing people into performances and stuff. And all through school was involved with music. And um, when I graduated from high school, I actually had no plans. And when I saw my friends all going to college, I was like, did I miss? You know, I was one of those kids and I enrolled in the local colleges, uh, the community college and took all music classes and wound up teaching in a small Catholic school mm-hmm. and realized I love this. So I went back to get my degree um, and I taught K through eight. Um, I love school. I think those kids are so creative and have so much potential. Um, I moved from New Jersey to Florida, where I was put into elementary school to teach. And I really missed the middle schoolers. However, you know, I I got into it. And then I got pregnant and had my daughter and was home on maternity leave and realized I miss working with kids and music. But I want to stay home. I really like Mm -hmm. this being stay-at-home mom gig a lot. So I started singing with the kids um, at playgroups and the local library. I was that annoying mom at the library that kept interrupting the librarian to say, I have a song that goes with that. And eventually, every week, she'd call me the night before and say, this is tomorrow's theme. Are you ready? I am. Um, But as a matter of fact, that's how I started composing songs was I was at the library and she was reading A Pocket for Corduroy. And she said, Mrs. Harmon, I need a song about pockets. Do you have one? And I did not. However, 
I did not want to turn down an opportunity to perform. <laughs> and since I don't lie, I creatively said, I can sing about pockets. And so by the time she finished the book, I had written a song, which is now one of my most popular songs in like the uh, three to five-year-olds, um, which is, I've got five fingers in my pocket. You know, you put your fingers away and every time take them out, one disappears. Um, and the parents um, started wanting to buy my songs, but I wasn't recording them. I just was making them up on the fly. They said to me, will you start teaching these classes to our groups? And I'm like, sure, I can do that. And they said, yeah, um, we'll pay you. I can definitely do that. <laughs> uh, so the next thing I know, I'm teaching these classes to all these parents and writing songs and everything just snowballed, you know, snowballed into my recording the music, my growing the program, other people wanting to be licensed to teach the program, and it grew into an international company, and I didn't go back in the classroom. I resigned. Yeah. I went back intermittently over the years, like to work in a school for a couple of years, or I taught at the college level for a couple of years, but never full-time. That's how Music with Mary started. I love that. I love how you got pulled into that. You know, like you were doing something that you're passionate about and you it was just a very natural, organic fit for you to to do that. And I love I love the there are some people in this world that are just very, very creative. And if there's an opportunity, they'll they'll make it. You know what I mean? They they won't say no to an opportunity and their creativeness or their creativity will be able to propel them to fulfill that opportunity. So that's wonderful. Yeah, I like that too. People always say like, what do you, you know, what's your job? I don't think of it as a job. I think of it as a vocation or a calling, as you said, you know, it's something that I am so passionate about. And I am grateful every single day that this is how I make a living. Yeah. Do people say, when are you going to retire? I'm like, retire from what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that. That is great. Well, I can say you're a fabulous teacher because I have had the privilege of sitting in on one of your sessions at the Placey Conference last year. And it was the most fun I think I've ever had sitting. In well, <laughs> I wasn't sitting. We were dancing, dancing in a session um, with a bunch of other um, early childhood educators. And it was just a blast. I was there as an assistant director and our one-year-old teacher was there and she just, I think, gained a whole new appreciation for how to use music in the classroom and what music can do in the classroom. And um, just a big change in her after that, for sure. Um, And I mean, plus, like, you gotta love when, you know, what, we're all... We probably spanned like 20s to 50s in that room and everyone's dancing together and just has a smile on their face and like at a conference that's like the best thing um thank you mayor can you talk a little bit about um your book for us sure happy to talk about my book <laughs> but to have it right here what a coincidence um <laughs> the book is called building brains with music and for years i've been 
putting all these different things down um, at workshops and putting them into, I have a a page on Facebook called Building Brains with Music. Every day I post a different brain fact, something that music does. Like for example, when you're dancing and you're shaking, shake it, shake it, shake what you got. You're not just having fun, but shaking activates your lymphatic system which helps to move toxins out of bloodstream. So you're also helping your body to stay healthy. And I thought, I want to take all those little things and build upon them. So I did a TEDx talk on this title and just wanted to get people to make those connections that from the moment the fetus goes boom, boom, that's rhythm. And Howard Gardner, the multiple intelligences man, said that the first of the multiple intelligences to awaken in every human being is music. So what if people could understand that rocking your baby is helping your baby to eventually walk? You know, people don't know those little connections because they're not obvious. And music is always like, oh, well, we don't need music. We need to spend time on math. But studies show over and over again that children that are good at music are also ultimately good at math. So there's too many connections for the importance to be denied. And I didn't want, I wanted to create a book that not just was easily digestible for teachers, but for parents as well, and broken down into sections. So if they wanted to go back to it and say, what did she say about marching? They could. And the other thing was people would say, oh, all she's doing is promoting her songs. So now we have to go back and buy those songs. Well, nope, not me. I include the songs in the purchase of the book. So when you get the book, you also get to download all the music. It's like teaching somebody something and then telling them in order to implement it, you need to buy these tools. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to say, here it is. Here's the whole package. Reasons and the tools. Do it. Get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. So that's what the book is all about. That's awesome. I remember in the session with you, you talking about like how anything can become a song. And <laughs> even if you don't think that you can compose music, just start singing. Start singing what you're doing because yeah. especially with you know that birth to five age group, that's that's enough. And I cannot tell you how many times when I was in the classroom, I used that and just started singing whatever we were doing. I remember one specific time we were on our way to our resource class and they were running super late. So we were like 15 minutes early and it was right before Halloween. And my co-teacher and I looked at each other like, what we cannot make these children just sit in the hallway for 15 minutes. It's not going to happen. Um, or it's going <laughs> to happen and go really poorly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so we went on a ghost hunt and we sang, you know, we took, we're going on a bear hunt and we just made it Halloween themed. And we had so much fun and the kids had so much fun. And was it the most ridiculous, silly thing? Yes. But we made it the 15 minutes and every kid was happy when we got there. And, um, you know, I think music is such an incredible 
tool for teachers to be able to use to support them in the classroom with development and also sometimes just like to make life a little bit easier because kids love music. Yes, I can share with you a short little story. Once um, I was in a classroom with a videographer, we were shooting some videos and the um, safe school alarm went off and we all had to go in this back room. So there's like 12 kids, the teacher, me, and the man that was being the videographer. And you got all these kids crammed in this tiny room and we weren't allowed to talk. So I'm just looking at them and I'm going like this to get their attention. So of course they all start looking at me like, what is Miss Mayor doing now? And then I started making shadow animals on the wall and inviting them to do it. And just like doing quiet patterns where they didn't have to make any sound and we could be quiet. And we were just doing this kind of stuff. And they were like fixated that when it came time, we got the signal to get out. They were like, oh, you're interrupting us. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to leave. We were doing something. (laughs) You know, all all these little musical things, uh, it gets their attention. It gets their mind off. Why are we all stuck in this room? And also patterning. So they're working on math and patterns and, you know, their, their mind is off other things. Absolutely. I I feel like we could talk like you and I could probably talk for like seven straight hours and I'm never sure. run out of things to say. Probably. Um, but I so music to me is like this universal language. I think everybody has like a music or kinds of music that they love. And for me in particular, music can have like a really profound effect on my mood and how I'm feeling. And which music I listen to sometimes depends on either what mood I'm in or what mood I maybe want to be or don't want to be. (laughs) And as a teacher, I know music, like you had already mentioned, can sometimes get put on the back burner, but it can be so effective. Can you tell us a little bit about why music is particularly effective in engaging and educating young children? Sure. Music is the only activity that activates every area of the brain. It doesn't just get the left hemisphere or the right hemisphere. It gets the upper brain, the lower brain. Um, It gets the hippocampus, which is the memories. So it pulls your memories in, you know, and um, the movement is also there. And so when you use music, you're more likely to remember something. For example, you guys might be too young and maybe not get this reference, but you can most of the time sing to people, here's a story of a man named Brady. You know that Brady, right? <laughs> now, when was the last time you saw that show? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But not only do you remember the name, but you see the nine squares. Mm-hmm. And you probably know who is in those squares. And you, and you see Alice, you probably will remember that Alice dated the butcher. <laughs> and all of that information came together because of, what, nine tones? Mm-hmm. Two simple lines of a song. That's the power. That's like why Schoolhouse Rock 
so successful that to this day, they tell stories about people taking their LSATs and singing what's the bill so that they can remember how to answer the question. You know, music gets every single part activated. That's amazing. I mean, it's just so cool how something so small can have such an incredible effect. Yeah. Yeah. I love early childhood education because the brains of the small children are so moldable and everything is really connected. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? There's a lot of research going into like play and the theory of play and Mm -hmm. music and how music interacts with brain development at early age and then how dramatic play and like all these different things can be combined. I think we can use our bodies. We can incorporate music and we can incorporate play. And what a, I think that's really the trifecta or the perfect way to really help build brains effectively. I was curious about music with, with Mare and how, like, what are you up to now? Sam had mentioned that you were, that you had done Flacey last year or two years ago. What is on the horizon? What are you doing right here, right now, Mare? Okay. Well, I just got back from Opelika, Alabama, where I did a, you know, all day training with the staff up there for the um, early learning coalition, their version of it. And um, I, I tried to not move as much as I used to. Um, but like, am I, where am I going next? I am going someplace. Um, <laughs> kind of taking it week by week. So I do try to. Um, yeah, Daytona. That's it. Going to Daytona to Flagler. And I do try to do conferences either within the state of Florida or out of state at least every other month or so. But I have traveled around the world. I've done conferences in South Africa. I've been to India twice. I've been to China. I was working in Beijing, helping them design a program. You know, no matter where I've been in the world, all parents are the same and they love music and the chance and opportunity to interact with their children. And what can I do to help my child do well? So I, I, you know, worked with the group in India, helping them put together a program for infant toddlers. Cause in India, they start preschool at three, but they have nothing before that. So they have no organized program for infant toddlers. Mm. Um, and, you know, they're realizing the need for it. So I like getting involved with programs where I can help implement um, programs that are around music, help people to learn how to use music. I also work for Early Steps, which is Johns Hopkins program through all children's here, helping children with uh, developmental um, delays um, in through music. Now, I'm not a music therapist per se, but when I was going to college, they didn't offer music therapy. Right. Um, and I wanted it. And they said to me, just, you know, do this and you can put with the, with the interest in therapy, you know, but that doesn't do me much good. But, you know, many music therapists will have me come to conferences and say, she's a music therapist without the degree. Um, you know, but I love, I love having different hats. So I don't get bored. I studied with Carla Hannaford, who taught me about kinesiology 
and how we can use music and movement to help children that are all these diagnoses. Um, and I still, I teach my classes for parents. They come to me with their babies once a week. And I teach them how to play with their children, get them ready for life. Say, oh, do your classes get them ready for school? I don't know, I get them ready for life. If you're ready for life, school is easy, right? So I still do all of that. And I'm busy, um, sometimes busier than I should be, I think. But I just uh, love what I do. And I get calls all the time. And I just got one right now, uh, right before I came on, of someone wanting me to go to a theater camp and teach middle schoolers how to use music to improvise. And I thought, okay, I've not done that. So <laughs> I'm going to say yes, probably, you know? So yeah, it's just whatever comes my way, I listen to it and maybe I follow it. Most of the time I do believe, like you were saying a little bit, Justin, if something falls in your path, it fell there for a reason. Find out why. Mm -hmm. That's a great sentiment. To that effect, I'd be like, that's how I ended up here and Justin ended up as my boss. <laughs> it was like a, we happened to find each other on LinkedIn. And when I was transitioning out of the classroom, it just happened to be the right time. I, I'm a big proponent of if it's supposed to happen, it'll be easy. Um, so yeah, I love that. So one of the things that I am really interested in and have always been that came up a lot, especially during my master's program was you're talking about getting kids ready for not just for school, but for life. Um, and I really think that early childhood education has such an influence on what's going to help carry that child throughout, not just kindergarten, but their whole educational career. And I'm a, a big social emotional development person for that very reason. Um, but can you talk about how music has an influence both on the cognitive and the social emotional development in children? Sure. You know, both of you, that a song can come on and it can make you either feel good or remember something sad, or not affect you at all. It's just heard it so much, it's background. So for children, one of the things you alluded to before, Sam, about um, how you can choose music to help you feel some way, and that's actually called entrainment. Um, and I talk about that in my workshop. Um, I think you were in the infant toddler workshop, maybe? Okay, and in the other one, I was talking about entrainment, that like you get that child that comes into your room in the morning and they're like, woohoo, I had pancakes here, but no pancakes. <laughs> and you know that child is going to be getting your attention. Well, whoever has the strongest emotion is going to be in charge. That's just the way human nature is. We all get attracted to that strongest emotion. So if we're with a bunch of friends and one of our friends is crying, we're all just going to get sucked into what happened. How can we help you? We're all going to get sad. But if you hear the happy music, then you're like that. So when children are excited, sometimes people say, oh, then you play classical music. But not all classical music's quiet. Right? Or calm. 
or calm. It's like <laughs> um, Mozart's Ina Klein and not music. I don't know who could sit down when they're being told, bum, 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 bum. you know, you can't, you know. So it's not the style or the genre. It's the tempo. Mm-hmm. So you meet the need. So first of all, in dealing with the motions, you have the emotion or the climate of the entire classroom. So if the kids come in and they're high energy, then you want to play a high energy song and get their attention. And the music helps get their attention. And then the next song is a little bit quieter and then they're focused. Then you could bring them where you want them to be. Mm-hmm. Music can also help with the motions when you sing songs that allow them to explore them. And one of the things my really good friend, Peter Alsop, who is an award-winning children's songwriter and also a psychologist, he taught me that there's no such thing as negative and positive feelings because what we call negative feelings should be called uncomfortable because they happen to make us change. We get uncomfortable and we do something to, about it and positive are comfortable feelings. So deal with the children with the comfortable and uncomfortable feelings through music. So I'll use songs where they'll have to find like the color blue and then I'll play the blues and I tell them to move the way this makes you feel. And then I might get them to yellow and play you know, some nice, quiet classical. And they start to tune in to the music, feel the emotion. But also do silly songs that teach them to laugh. I have a song where I sing to them, you gotta laugh, ha, ha, ha. You gotta laugh, he, he, he. You know, does anywhere in our state standards, does it say, help children learn to find laughter? It does not. But children do need to learn how to laugh. Some children come from homes where there's not much laughter. Or I use Bunny Fufu. I don't know where he went right now. You know, there's a song about Bunny Fufu where he you know, hits the mouse and, and they make him disappear. Like, take it and change it to something that has a positive lesson. Children are going to remember that lesson more through music because there's a song, there's a visual, and there's a memory getting stirred. And they repeat it over and over, and they learn that there are choices. And in this one, the bunny fufu learns to hug. <laughs> and just taking those little lessons and singing them, finding songs that, like the monkey swinging in the tree. I always think, like, what are we teaching? Like with the older kids, they get it. They get that it's funny. But kids that are pre-operational, you know, what are we telling them? All the monkeys are swinging in the tree, right? But they're not behaving. And the alligator comes and eats them one by one. And at the end of the day, they're all dead. Like, what? You know, so I take songs like that that make me go, <laughs> and I change them so that that in that one, the one monkey survives because he says, huh, I was watching my friends teasing you. I learned that's not what to do. And so he survives. Taking little songs like that. And I'm not saying that you don't ever want to sing silly songs or a little bit scary because that that's another topic. But you want to take some songs like that that are easily fixed and tweak them. Mm-hmm. 
because by the age of seven, children's morality is in place. So whatever their personalities, their way of thinking is all going to be set there. Their value system by the age, by the end of their seventh year of life. So why put garbage in? And whatever you're going to put in lasts longer when you put it in with music. I have a seven-year-old and that thought is terrifying. (laughs) Is what? That thought is a little terrifying. Just, you know, like... It feels like a lot of pressure now. No. <laughs> but Sam, I am sure you have probably done a pretty good job. I like to think so. My my little guy is, I mean, he's a wild child for sure, but he has a very tender heart. So we talk in our house and a lot of this probably comes from having been in a classroom for so long. And my child also, my mom was a director for 30 plus years. So you know, he has a mom and a grandma who talk like preschool teachers. Um, And so we, you know, from a very young age, we talked a lot about feelings. And so one of the great things about that is he walks into a room and he can be like, you know, I'm just feeling really frustrated right now. And I think I need a minute. And especially like at school, he's in first grade, his teachers will be like, what? Like, they're (laughs) just that kind of like, it's great oh, to see kids and to work with them on feelings because you can give them then that emotional vocabulary Yes. In when they are young to when they're feeling worked up or when they're having a hard day, they can yes. express what they're feeling and advocate for themselves, which is very hard to do when you're five, six, and seven and you have all of these big feelings and don't know how to talk about it except people have only taught you mad and sad and happy and there's so much in between um so no i think i love that no i just had to you know okay i'm gonna check the timer i'm sure you're fine sam sure you're fine one thing at at burleson education that we really love is practical and engaging Uh, that's kind of our our catchphrase you know we really want to make practical and engaging professional development but one thing i thought was could be really practical and engaging is doing an activity like you mentioned mayor about okay changing the song but if you're a, a teacher maybe you interact with your class and say how would you change the song mm-hmm. what feelings do you feel now that the song has changed what feelings do you think that each of the individual characters feel how does yes. that how does that interact and then maybe you make up a new song together that's if, awesome yeah anyway that's what i was thinking i was like oh that would be so fun because yeah. Um, I love little bunny foo-foo. It's one of, we, when I, my kids and I jump on the trampoline, we always sing little bunny foo-foo and then it's cute. Anyway, yeah. It's just a silly thing we do, but, um, but I think taking music and there's so many different activities that can stem from a musical activity, whether it's a song, changing the song, using social emotional learning, making actions out of them. You all, you know, all this mayor, but um, for our listeners, figuring out ways to incorporate more than one developmental kind of silo or developmental, I don't know, silo or compartment is a great way to engage children. So we don't have a ton more time, Mayor. We'll ask you one more question um, and then we will wrap up here. Um, Sam, do you want to pick the last question? Sure. Um, Okay. 
so we kind of already talked about like what the, what what's happening now and what's next for you. Um, but okay, I am I was the creative kid. I was the music, theater, art, and I when I started teaching, I kind of brought that into the classroom with me because I like, I'm not sure I know how to operate if someone was like only do math and reading. Oh um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so being a creative kid. I grew up into a creative adult because I had great people and teachers around me um, who allowed me to be that person. When I started working, I had a creative business and creative expression has been something that like for my own kids and as a teacher, I just saw as essential. And I'm wondering if you can talk with us a little bit about how music encourages children to express themselves but also like nurtures their intuitive creativity because I think kids are just so creative all on their own and then we kind of force them to do like you were talking about like here's here's just do math just do reading just do this um and I feel like sometimes it just kind of gets squashed um that like innate creativity that they have sorry that felt like rambling but <laughs> can you talk a little bit about how just music, you know, can help bring that back to the forefront? Okay, so it also it depends on the age group you're working with. Obviously, if you're with the little kids up until three, there's one thing. And then the uh, four to second or third grade. And then after that, it's another whole thing. Right. But so. One of the things is working on emotional intelligence. Not We teach so much to IQ when actually if everyone's EQ was better, IQs would be stronger because when you believe in yourself, you learn better. So I like, I sing songs with kids that help put that into place. And I leave spaces for the kids to put their own words in. For like the very young kids, I do the um, a goodbye song where at the end I sing goodbye and they have to repeat after me. But we go around the circle and everybody gets to sing goodbye however they want. And they come up with goodbye, goodbye, you know, and I don't give them ideas. They just come up with them and there's no right and there's no wrong. So it's a safe place and they get to be creative um, for older Kids, you know, like the four through six-year-olds, I'll sing songs where they have to make up a couplet, and I'll explain to them what that is, where they have to say something about a friend that they like. You know, we'll sing like, come on and sing, make up a song. You know, and so they have to say, I have, um, my friend's name's Mare, and she has beautiful hair. Come on and sing. And they go... And one girl, one time she's saying, AJ could dance like there's ants in his pants. Come on. You know, and then they talked about, well, did, AJ, did that make you, how did that make you feel? And he goes, I thought it was funny because of the way I jump around. Right. And that's how she meant it. You know, well, a lot of times teachers will jump in right away and go, oh, was that very nice? And then we don't realize the child's intention was not negative. Yeah, so stay out of the way when children are putting in their own creativity so that they have a chance to explain without you putting in what you thought it meant. 
you know, and then, of course, I always use Mr. Froggy, and I think you met Mr. Froggy, Sam. I did. <laughs> and we sing to each child. When they're young, I sing to the child, and the parent sings back. As they get older, they sing by themselves. But then as they get older, I give every child the frog so that everybody gets a chance to be the one sung to and the one leading the singer. And the one thing, Mr. Frog, when I taught in a uh, pre-K through eighth grade school, I taught the four-year-olds and the middle schoolers and pretty much the same. <laughs> but what would be funny was that the middle schoolers would come into my classroom at the beginning of the year and look. I go, what are you looking for? Is Mr. Froggy here? Now, these kids were 12 and 13, but they still felt safe because they remember what they got to do with Mr. Froggy. And I also uh, will play music games where somebody goes in the middle of the circle and they're in charge of whatever movement everybody else does. Mm -hmm. And then everybody has to dance like that person. And then that person spins with their eyes closed and the next person comes in the circle. So always allowing the creativity to flow from the children and not always being directed by me. Mm -hmm. What I try to really get teachers to understand at my workshops is I am not asking any of you to teach music unless you're the music teacher. But beside that, no one's asking you to teach music, but I am almost demanding that you use music to teach. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference between the two. Yeah, for sure. Maren, thank you so much. This has been amazing to hear about your journey and to hear the impact of music. And just, you know, hopefully there are some teachers out there listening who heard some things that they can put into their classroom and implement on a daily basis. I know for me, um, I'm now wishing that when I was in the classroom, I would have created like a playlist that just like <laughs> tempo wise took us through the whole day. I had a few that I used, but now I'm like, man, I really could have used it to like get the kids to the next, you know, the next thing or get ready for that next thing. So I have one, I have one last question. Will you like give us a tidbit of a song? One of your songs that you use? Well, you know, I knew you were going to say that. And I was trying to think what you might look for. Silly, serious, or song for a little kid or a younger kid. And might I just say, um, if I can, that all the music is on Spotify, Amazon, Apple, YouTube. Right. It's all there. So I always tell teachers, you don't have to buy something after you hear me speak at a conference because you have access to all of it. So what do you want to hear? Something silly, something serious? Would I have because I interjected some songs throughout, but yeah. what do you think, Justin? I think Sam, just for the, the whole purpose of alliteration, we should do something silly for Sam. Uh something silly for Sam. <laughs> okay. So let's see. I like to play with the kids um a long, long time ago. Back in the 1960s, when <laughs> little Marianne was watching the Three Stooges, <laughs> they were singing this song called B.A. Bay. And it really impacted me so much that I recorded it and I sing it with kids because you take the consonants and swing them against the vowels. Hmm. And it's a lot of fun. It just goes like this. B.A. Bay, B. 
B-E-B, B-I, Bicky Bye, B-O-Bo, Bicky Bye, Bo, B-U-Boo, Bicky Bye, Bo, Boo. And you go through all the things. Um, T-A-T, T-E-T, T-I, Tiki Tai, T-O-To, Tiki Tai To, T-U-2, Tiki Tai To, too. The children get really challenged to want to do that, <laughs> you know, um, or just real simply too. I also will sing with them. I do like to sing. 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 I like to sing. I do 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 like to sing. And it just things that plays with their head and their memories and sound and they remember it. And, um, they try to do it. They try to try to do it as fast as Miss Mayor can do it. So <laughs> I'm not sure I could do it as fast as Miss Mayor can do it. <laughs> I would tell you what, I had a three-year-old come up to me and go, B A baby, E B did the whole thing. I stood there shocked. And I looked at the mother, and the mother goes, I told you she could do it. I didn't even tell her to learn it. She just heard her brother C D playing. And sings it. Oh, that's really sweet. So yeah, it's fun. It's oh, fun. Good. Well, and thanks so much again, Mayor. You, you um, can sing that for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will also we'll be practice. at the Flagler and Volusia conference here in October. So yeah. you oh, you see. will? <laughs> oh, so I can meet you in person. Yeah, we'll be there to chit chat and hang out on the beach there in Daytona. So it'll be good. Great. I'm going to be the keynote speaker. Oh, good. Good, good. So if any of our listeners are headed to the ELC conference in Flagler and Volusia, if you live in northwestern or northeastern Florida area, Daytona Beach, um, come out and I'll, I'm really excited. We were we were there last year um, at the AELC conference and we had a lot of fun. So lots of it's a great venue and really excited to, to go back there again. Yeah, I mean, I would really just enjoy doing all the conferences in Florida and, and not leave my home state for a while. Mm. Um, you know, just, I just became a grandma. So oh, good. congratulations. Kind of enjoying spending time there. Good. Yeah. Well, good. Thank you so much, Mayor. You're and welcome. Thank you. This has been Marianne with music with Mayor. Sam, will you send us off? Absolutely. Wow. There you have it. A captivating conversation with Marianne Harmon. She is the visionary behind Music with Mayor, and the melodies and insights she shared remind us of the extraordinary impact that music can have on the youngest of minds. Thank you, Mayor, for sharing your expertise and your heartwarming journey with us. To our listeners, if you're curious about the world of music and early education, make sure to visit Marianne's website at musicwithmayor.com. For more insights and resources, pick up her book, Building Brains with Music, and check out her TEDx talk, Building Brains with Music, if you'd like to hear more about how music and young minds work together. Also, don't forget that you can find her music on Apple Music, Spotify, and Amazon by searching Music with Mare. That's Music with M-A-R. If you loved this episode, we would love for you to share, subscribe, and leave us a review. Your support helps ensure that we can share information and encouragement with early educators far and near. And until next time, keep exploring, keep learning, and keep nurturing the future leaders of our world. See you next time.